Hey guys, this is part two of a special edition Neil and Jordan podcast with Ali. Ali is a co-host on the Friendly Geordies podcast, another podcast that Jordan co-hosts. He will be back next week. If you are watching on YouTube, this is just an audio version. We are going to continue our conversation from last week. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I recommend you listen to that. Jordan will be back next week, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy part two with special guest Ali. What would prevent someone like a Bezos or any other billionaire from just taking their headquarters to another country or sneakily getting around whatever rules are implemented? Yeah, look, the the thing is, and and Trump was pretty good at explaining that, Uh, you can. Like, let's say Bezos says, I'm going to move to Ireland. Because you guys are bothering me too much in the U.S., then, um, yeah, but you're not going to get access to our market. And that's going to really change his tune. Because mm. still, they're dependent on us buying stuff. So if you want to move, sure, move, get out, but then you don't get our market. Mm. And it's it becomes a big thing. It's less sort of... Uh, uh, you know, like how the Australians uh, sort of um, the, the tussle with Google, the government tussle with Google. Mm. It's that's that. But the problem is that we're too small. What happened there? What was the actual settlement? Because they were going to impose that certain restrictions on Facebook and Google where they had to pay news outlets for every time a, an article was shared. And now I haven't heard about it since. What, what was the end I result think, of look, that? I think, look, there's some backdoor dealings that are going on. Part of it might be something like, um, uh, like you know, the, Facebook wanted to create like an independent marketplace where like, okay, if you want paid stuff, then someone has to go into those uh, uh, platforms. And when you access a news article from that particular platform, then you get a cut out of it. Mm. Uh, Google, I think, was more responsive because they recognize that if this goes through, then maybe other governments are going to start doing it. It mm. could have a domino effect. So I think they're trying to appease the government as much as possible. I don't know what the backroom deals are at the moment, but clearly they came up with some resolution. However, it wouldn't have been favorable to our uh, to Australia. I can assure that much because we just don't have that level of bargaining power because we're a country of, what, 25 million people? Mm. We're nothing to these guys. Worst case scenario, Google and Facebook say, fine, we'll just get out of Australia. They wouldn't want to do that because then that antagonizes some of the other countries. Yeah. But if they had to, and they wouldn't have any problems with it. Mm. They would have a problem when the US says, you got to get out from here. Then it becomes real for them. Yeah. Because that's a 330 million people country. So mm. uh, so this this fight cannot be fought in Australia is what I'm saying. Mm. We're just at the mercy of these overlords. Well, that's what... China has their own social media variants, don't they? Yeah. What are they called? We, is it, well, their WhatsApp is WeChat, which WeChat. by the way, I'm using these days because I have to communicate with like um, some of these uni people in China. Oh, really? Yeah, it's... it's Eh, it's the same, but like it was, I was very apprehensive. It's strictly initially. monitored if you say something. Yeah, but like we're China, not talking about any of yeah. that stuff. Okay. We're just talking about <laughs> stupid uni stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but they've got their own version of a Facebook. Um, mm. I don't know if they have YouTube. They might have their own version of YouTube too. But you know what's funny about that? These tech companies aren't necessarily against this. 
what they want to do is is that whatever your version of Facebook or YouTube is, we want to give you the the sort of uh, digital architecture for it. And they sell that to them, is that? And then they sell that to okay. them, and also they can have some level of control over it too. Yeah. And so there, China's struggle is how do we develop like our completely indigenous social media platform with without being uh, reliant in any which way on these Western companies. Well, knowing that they don't have that kind of expertise. Yeah. Well, That's do, a problem. They're doing that with TikTok, with, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. It's a great, great platform. <laughs> Nothing but good things to say about that. TikTok's... You're, do you like TikTok? It's been great to me. I yeah, ha- have a million followers on it now. So, no yeah. Um, never achieved that many followers on any other platform. So... Maybe I gotta just submit to the CCP. Yeah, you know, they may have to. You'll I be love like, that platform. You'll be like John Cena. Have you seen him recently? Yeah. Taiwan is not a country. <laughs> just just the fact that he spoke Mandarin so fluently as well was such a shock. It's this sort of all American it's WWE as well. That is such a hillbilly brand. And there's this superstar from there speaking in fluent Mandarin. With all the the way the text was so Chinese as well, <laughs> everything like about it. it, this was the, the, this is the future. Yeah, it's a this huge is happening. market for the guy. He didn't mm. know what else to do. But is that true that TikTok, like gaining followers in TikTok, is a lot easier, or do you just think right that- now it is? It's it's what fa- the early days of Facebook and YouTube were. Mm. So the algorithm was very friendly to independent creators because. They were trying to keep uh, people on the app as much as possible. And as a result, if a video was going viral, they amplified that in the in the feed. And it was a fair system because you could be a kid in your bedroom, as I was. Mm. And if people are sharing, liking, viewing, commenting on that video, the algorithm picks that up and puts it into the newsfeed and or the homepage. Whereas now, spaces in that homepage and newsfeed and recommended videos are, have essentially been bought by corporate media companies. Mm-hmm. So on the uh, YouTube homepage, in the recommended videos, uh, you'll get a lot of clips from The Daily Show or 7 News, 9 News, ABC, whatever it may be, things I don't want to watch. Yeah. Whereas it wasn't that long ago, maybe two or three years ago, when you would constantly be uh, discovering new creators, people you hadn't heard of, uh, if people had the correct tags in their videos, relatable um, titles, whatever it may be, that was the way to gain a following on, on YouTube and, and, and on Facebook. If you were just achieving a lot of likes, comments and or shares, then your video would be put into other people's news feeds, not just people who followed you, not just people who were friends of yours. They were just trying to promote Facebook creators. And that was brilliant. It was an algorithm that really helped... Um, independent creators who were essentially the bread and butter, the, the people that built up the platform. And then they turned their backs on us and said, oh, look, look at these companies giving us multi-million dollar deals. We'll just push that content. Facebook, it, a few videos can still go viral. And YouTube, you can still get a video that goes well on, on the news feed, but it's not the same. Uh, but TikTok has something called the For You page, which is... Um, for content that you're not already subscribed to. So you may not follow certain people 
and and based on your previous viewing history there's some algorithm that can detect what you may be interested in if you've liked five videos i'm i'm just guessing i'm sure some of those uh superstars in china have come up with a much more detailed algorithm than this but if i've liked five videos and there's a certain crossover in hashtags and 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 certain other people have liked a similar array of videos then based on what other videos those other people have liked they're going to be recommended to me um so it it makes sense i don't see why there's anything wrong with that algorithm it's just picking up patterns and as a result you can gain a hell of a lot of followers and views and likes through the for you page because it's not about having a, an audience already it's not about advertising your content it's just about creating good content that is popular and has a high engagement rate so for anyone out there listening that wants to uh, build their brand whether they're an artist whether they're an entrepreneur whatever they may be facebook and instagram is not the way to do it anymore right now the best way to build is is tiktok and once you get huge on one social media platform you can then uh, start to trampoline into other social media platforms. But, the, but but what you should be doing is really focusing on one initially, building up as much as you can on that one. And then eventually people will just organically go off to your other social media platforms anyway. Um, so I almost feel like it's a second win for me because I had that huge viral period from, say, 2013 to maybe 15 and then it, it stagnated. I was still posting videos. I still was making a career out of this. But with TikTok now, I am getting more views than I could have ever imagined. More follows, more subscribers. And, and it's an entirely different generation. It's it's teenagers in America. That's what I was going to ask. So uh, do you know, like, uh, are most of them from Australia? No, or? most of them. Most of my followers are American, which cool. is fantastic. Because I've never really broken into that market before. I've done videos and films that have uh, gained a lot of traction in America. But then because so much of my comedy was so Australian. Uh, Didn't you go to the David Packman show or something once? Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin. Yeah. That's right. I saw that. Yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no! Yeah, I was so I was or... I was nervous, and I didn't. It was not my best interview by any means, but I did it. You know, it was fun. Yeah, yeah that's um, cool. <laughs> Everyone hates that guy. Everyone, you uh, know Joe what Rogan I don't like. Kind of ruined him. Yeah, but you know what I don't. People just assume he's a grifter because he went from being a uh, smaller liberal to seemingly now more of a conservative. But people can just have a political evolution. It doesn't yeah. mean that he's being paid. It just, it could be, but you don't know him personally. I mean, he could have just genuinely changed his mind on certain things. Like yeah, you did, forget you. You know, you went from a filthy communist to yeah, to, yeah, to something sure. not but as extreme. I think extreme, there but... is. Look, I don't know about him, and mm. that's a very plausible thing that could have happened. He just, but there, when you like, when you sort of like move towards a particular set of followers that you have, and their views, your views start to transition a little bit. That's very true. No one mm. should hate on that either. I mean, you know. But it is what it is. But it could be that he's mm. he has he's genuinely changed his views on What's, things. I think the repercussions of something like that are well, they're manifold because as he was being excoriated by his former counterparts on on the left, that would have just forced him more into the echo chamber of the right. Yeah. So then he he would have 
felt like they were being hostile towards him. So that would have then been a very salient point to suggest that, oh, look, those people are actually very hateful and, and rabid and hostile and these people are very welcoming yeah, and, and, and lovely. So uh, that would have just attracted him even more so to a different political yeah, ideology. Sure. I just don't... Look, I think people just immediately assume, oh, he's just doing it for the money. And I, I, I know the guy personally, not very well. I've met him a few times. He's been nice to me. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's fair to just assume because someone's changed their political ethos that, that oh, they're just doing it for the money. Yeah. And those are, I, I'm pretty sure, man, those are Joe Rogan fans that keep saying it because Joe Rogan publicly said that he was being uh, well, willfully disingenuous. Yeah, he subtly, he didn't specifically say it was Dave, but he stopped allowing Dave onto the show. And to be fair, one or two of those initial uh, podcasts he did with Joe, he came across poorly. He mm. made points that were easily refutable and, and he didn't come across with nuanced ideas it, it, it just was um it just seemed like very hack reactionary points um having said that joe made a point about how people will sneakily say they're a classical liberal when really they're just a conservative now a lot of those terms are always they're they're nebulous they're up to interpretation they're constantly changing the way I would differentiate something like a classic, someone like a classical liberal to a conservative, when I hear conservative, I, I think of the, the culturally conservative ideas that come with that. So I assume someone who uh, puts patriotism and, and sort of Christian values with economic conservatism, whereas when I hear classical liberal... Um, even though, I th again, I'm not a political scientist, but the, the theory behind classical liberalism is that we're all equal under God, so it is intertwined with Christianity as well, to some degree. Um, I think of more, you know, someone who's maybe that 1960s-style liberal who's very pro-free speech and does want some level of liberalization in the economy but maybe maybe not you know a full libertarian either but also wouldn't um necessarily agree with some of the more socialist constructs that people to the left of them are are um pushing for it is a sort of weird middle ground there but joe's point was that he was saying if you, if you say you're a classical liberal oh you're just a conservative just say you're a conservative but i do think there's a there's something to be said about a slight difference there. I, also, I, like, I don't think it's right to just box people into these that terms as well. as well. Like, just whatever they have to say, judge them based on that. That's and exactly it. What What is your opinion on this actual issue? Yeah, that's what really That's what matters, matters to me, really. I don't care if you're, like, a liberal with a small L or a capital L. But, you know, coming back to <laughs> that TikTok point, Frustrating, though, isn't it, after a while? Funnily enough, I was actually... Uh, some of my friends in Pakistan, Yeah, they were telling me something. You know... And in India as well. Yeah. Apparently... It was banned in India. Modi banned it. Well, not... They banned it. Well, Modi might have banned it for, like, the Chinese aspect of it or whatever. But they banned it in Pakistan too. Not for that reason, though. It's really interesting. TikTok is huge amongst poor people in Pakistan. The middle class goes for, like, Facebook and YouTube. And the elite, Instagram. Because if you think about it, Instagram is just flexing, right? 
I, I went yeah. to this city or like uh, Paris or whatever. Oh, oh my God. Look Hello. at that. We've got a new guest. Now your views are going to skyrocket. Ah, oh, she's here every week. Say <laughs> hello. Uh, but yeah, but like, and YouTube is like a middle class thing. And TikTok was huge amongst poor people. Right. Gosh. We'll get her off. I forget. And uh, part of the reason why they apparently banned it was because of that. Like uh, people, these like uh, rich guys, uh, their drivers would come in and they would have like, 2.5 million <laughs> followers on TikTok. And uh, wow. they'd be like, I'm quitting. <laughs> right. And now I'm actually richer than you. So it was a threat to the it elites. Was, it was a class struggle over there. And Damn. they banned TikTok. And they made it about how um, there's oh, more right. gay content on TikTok or something. Well, there there's a lot of gay content on TikTok. Well, why is that? that? I think because the main um, the the people who are on there the most, I'm guessing, are uh, teenagers in America, who I'm assuming are, are fiercely progressive, and much more likely to be openly gay or or trans or or whatever it may be. But what I think I've noticed, um, particularly among American Gen Zers is that they are just as deeply tribal as any other sector of society. There are 15-year-olds on TikTok who have an American flag in their bedroom talking about how Trump is wonderful trying to own the libs. Yeah. Now, when I was 15, there was no... There was no poli- I didn't even know what left and right was. Mm. And I'm, I went to a selective school. I, I think, actually, you know, maybe by 15, I was, slightly, I was becoming a bit more politically aware. But 13, 14, forget about it. But they just have access to a lot more information than we did. It's very true as well. They, they're exposed to so many different ideas. Like, at least in like our generation, we really had to look for it. And this whole Facebook, YouTube thing happened right in front of us. And we got access to this whole new information. And it really informed our way of looking at things too. They were just born into this. Mm. This infinite library that you can tap in anytime you want. Mm. But like, you know, okay, so there's that. But the other thing that I've heard about from my girlfriend, because she's she, she watches like a lot of TikTok stuff. Um, yeah, women love it. Women are They're into the it. audience on there. And she was telling me that it's big amongst the indigenous community in Australia. Like, it has become that, yeah. Just random communities have, have taken... A liking to it, but what's 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 up with that? Why do you know like why TikTok is more conducive? Um, who who knows? I I I no. I, I mean, I'm I would guess that maybe because you can really tailor the content to a given community, and and your for you page is strictly what you like. It really picks up on your interests. So maybe uh, their community really got on board with it and as a result they posted a lot of content and it became relatable within their community and and it kept growing i'm I'm just Mm. speculating i don't i don't know um there is something about that like really short amount of time to give mm. out your ideas well because initially but now it's three minutes they keep extending they're they're trying to compete with uh youtube and well instagram i'm guessing because Initially, it was 15 seconds. Initially, it was just a... I remember back in whenever it was, 2014 or 15, it was 
uh, an app where you could just uh, sing along to to song. Oh, yeah. What do they call it when they when you're just mouthing the 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 words and you're not actually singing? I don't know, but that's what it was. And I, I know what you're talking about. Completely <laughs> forgotten what the app was called. It was there was a oh vine musically musically no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was called musically. And I remember this was even when I was nineteen, twenty. There were people who were maybe twelve or thirteen that were there were compilations of people reacting to cringy twelve-year-olds on Musically or something like that. And then um, I heard about TikTok maybe in twenty nineteen, and I just dismissed it like everyone else my age does. Um, and then a few of the other my, you know. Colleagues got onto it. Colleagues, <laughs> the other guys that do internet comedy, um, and then in 2020, I eventually thought, well, why not? May as well just have another yeah, social sure. media platform. I I just get I don't like it when there's too many platforms to focus on. Like right now, I'm really focused on TikTok. I've actually foregone a lot of content on my main, um, well, on my comedy YouTube channel. This the the channel this is going on is is one that I'm focusing on, and I'm I'm trying to get to 100,000 subscribers on that. So share the YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to youtube.com slash TV, subscribe to that. Uh, but the the main YouTube... Sorry, where was I going to say? But anyway, TikTok just, um, for some reason, it, it, it caught on. It sort of took what was successful about Vine. Vine eventually died because I think, I'm, I'm guessing, they just couldn't monetize seven-second videos. You can't, and TikTok you, does it well? Well, they they're starting to. Because now there's just once you have eyeballs on the app, you can make money through it. Yeah. So Twitter was another one which is very hard to monitor. You can you can sponsor tweets. There's a little bit of ad space around the place. It's nothing like Facebook where you can really just pay for space in the newsfeed. Um, Twitter, I think it's got to do with the people who are on Twitter can easily sense an ad. Mm. Whereas on Facebook, it became normal where you just expect every third post on the newsfeed to be an ad. So I'm guessing Facebook made a lot more money through their ad model. I'm guessing. I don't know any of no, this. No, they apparently do. And YouTube as well. You you can They put mid-roll because they started incentivizing creators to make longer content. That's half the reason I started a podcast. Um, and, and the reason was they they kept people on the app, but more ad space yeah, more so 10 minutes in there's an ad another 10 minutes in there's an ad where if, if you're just making two three minute videos which is what youtube was initially yeah. you can put an ad bef- at the at the beginning which they did but it's not the same yeah you want people to be constantly on it absolutely i remember and, when and you were sorry go on i just really now and because tiktok is allowed three minute videos i'm sure it's a matter of time before they allow mid-roll ads yeah and and who knows? I think once people get used to the ads, they stick on the platform. But um, TikTok just does feel very organic. It feels very... It, it's where... Because Facebook, everyone's parents got onto it. And there's a lot of old people on there now. Whereas prior to that, you could you could be an edgy teenager. You could be in your early 20s and post about all the drunken antics you got up to. Whereas you just can't because your family's on there now. For most people, TikTok seems like the edgy platform yeah. where teenagers can just make meme content, say whatever they want. Their parents are never going to see it. It it just feels like the place where the, the you know the cool place to be. Yeah, the cool ideas are coming about. I I, I really like it. I I I I do feel old on there, but I don't feel too old either. 
yeah, I'm 27 yeah. and, and, you know, most people on there would be sort of teens to early 20s. But, I, I, you know, it's not too large a difference. There. Also, it is conducive to like skit comedy stuff, which you mm. are pretty good at. I remember when you, in 2019, when you were doing, you started to do really well on TikTok or whenever it was. Mm. Jordan kept telling me, he was like, dude, you need to get onto TikTok. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to yeah. do on TikTok? That's how everyone responds. And yeah. and he was like, no, 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 dude, the algorithm, you check out Neil. And I was like, what am I going to do on TikTok? Like my, all of my stuff is like deep dive into political shit. Like it's not going to work out for me. There is a lot of politics on TikTok though. Really? Yeah, there's a lot. And, and they, 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 there's a lot of people responding to each other. And there's this sort of very pre- well, with a lot of political commentary, there is, but this is, you know, a very pretentious vibe to the people who, you know, they'll, they'll, you can um, stitch other videos where you see the first five to ten seconds of a video, and then you start replying to it. So a video will start, and then someone will say, "And this is why this is completely wrong." Let me tell you the actual statistics and the mm-hmm. facts behind this, and it's fun, it's entertaining, you, you know, it's, it's very it. combative, and I like it. And now that you can do three minutes, there's a guy. Um, uh, I'm mind blanking. There's quite a few political people that I, I I watch on on TikTok. A lot of them are American. They're very partisan. Uh, there's one guy who's actually an Australian who I think he, he takes sort of he he looks at both sides. I, I someone Fang, um, it might be Wesley Fang or something like that. He's great. I like him. Cool. I didn't know that there was you could do it, but I guess you just have to adapt to it. But I remember he started telling me that you need to start doing, like, uh, brown people shit. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, yeah, just do, like, ethnic comedy. It'll go, it'll pop off. Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a comedian or do you want to... No, What are you hoping thing. to that's achieve? That's why I didn't do it. Because he just wants me to... Man, I remember... So I started at YouTube... Dude, I was never... I didn't even ever think that I was going to do a podcast or anything of that sort. Like, Yeah, yeah. I just got sucked into this world because of Jordan. Okay. And, um... Uh, and he encouraged me to start my own YouTube channel, which I did about a year and a half ago. It's called Holdsworthy Live. Check it out if you definitely go and check that uh, out, guys. If you're keen, but mm. man, but I stopped creating. You know, okay, so I don't know how what you think of this, but like at one point, uh, maybe like about six months ago, I stopped putting out videos on YouTube because. I started seeing myself getting into that trap that I've seen other content producers get into, including Jordan, where, like, you're constantly thinking about, like, oh, what, what, do, what do I need to produce? What's going to get views? The, the whole rigmarole of YouTube and social media. Mm. And I sort of, like, questioned myself a little bit. I was like, do I want that? That's fair. Mm. Um and uh no one's immune to that though that that that's you, you, you do have to play the game someone like jordan is unique in that he's not he's willing to like we were talking before the podcast started he's willing to piss off his audience he's willing to challenge them there are people out there who are literally just putting out content that they know is going to go viral that they know it's exactly what their audience wants and People say it's more power to the creators when there's the fan-funded model. So a lot of YouTubers, particularly uh, political commentators, uh, have a Patreon or some sort of fan funding. And I don't know how much independence that really does give you. Sure, I mean, if a corporation is, is advertising on your channel, then 
if anything, you just can't piss off that corporation. But now if you have 500 people essentially producing you, mm. you have to give them what they want. Yeah. You can't, Fair. unless your brand is, hey, I continually change and I'm always pushing the boundaries. No, they've invested in you because they like what you're providing. So you have to keep doing that. So I don't, I don't know. I just take that whole fan-funded model with a grain of salt. I mean, this, po- this podcast was... Well, it is. It's um, we have sponsors, and thank. And by the way, neilcohacker.com slash podcasts. Uh, but all of that money now goes to charity, and that was. I went through some stuff earlier in the year, and I thought, let's just do it. Before I even thought about, it, I'm like, just just do it because I know I'm going to regret it if I. I'll go back on this one day. So, no, it's still all going to charity. So wait, how did that happen? Why why did I, why does it go to charity? All right. Well, I. Uh, was just offering uh, sponsorships for this podcast where we could answer a question or do a whole topic uh, if they pay a certain amount per month. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to monetize the podcast, basically. Yeah. This is a big part of both of our careers now. We've got to start making some money out of it. You get a little bit of ad revenue on YouTube, but not much. So we uh, offered some sponsorships. And I just wanted to pay off the... The editing costs, essentially, yeah. not a lot, but um, and it was a, it was about doing that. It wasn't really doing that for the sex sales one, but then oh, I just, just kind of went through a, a, a breakup, and then I was having a bit of an existential crisis, and I thought, well, I want to, I just want to give, you know, I want to feel better about myself, and part of that. So it was actually a selfish thing in the end, but I I, I thought. There was a, I think there was one podcast we did called Contribution, which was all just me languishing in self pity, you know, uh, professing to Jordan, how can I feel like a better person? And then, like with anything, you just have to think of things beyond the self. And and then I thought, all right, let's just make these podcasts purely for charity. Um, I, there's still some YouTube revenue that comes out, but um, anyone who sponsors, all of that goes to all of it. It really charity, yeah. It would free you up. Yeah, well, actually, if anything, I feel because now I don't, I don't actually feel beholden to the people who are paying. Mm. Funnily enough, it's funny you mention all of this because thank you because that is an interesting perspective about that subscription based model that you're saying mm. that you're still getting produced by like whatever five hundred people. It's not the freedom that people think. Yeah, because I was thinking that I was like, okay, if I start producing stuff on Holesworthy Live again. And I don't care about how many views I get. Yeah. Um, and I just do whatever I want and get like whatever, 300, 400, 500, depending on how well you do. Yeah. People producing it, then I'm just free. And also I make it that like they don't have to pay every month, but they pay every time I make a post. Yeah. So that I'm not charging them when I'm being lazy mm. or some shit. So I was thinking maybe... Maybe that could work, but you're making me rethink that again. Well, there's all sorts of different... Ob- Look, at the end of the day, every creator has to make money. You're going to do that some way. You can either do it through just general ad revenue, through merch. Merch is a way that you can remain very independent because if people are just buying a one-off merchandise purchase, then sure, they are investing into you, but there's no conditions that come with it. They're buying the T-shirt doesn't mean you have to keep appeasing them. Um, live shows if you're a comedian uh, sponsored content yeah. which is hypothetically the one that where you're, where you're selling out but if anything 
okay, so for a certain term, that brand is associated with your brand, but that term is usually a month or a couple of weeks. And after that, you're free again, but you get a huge amount. You know, you get as much as you would with hundreds of subscribers there. So I actually like that. I, I like doing brand deals now and again because you get so much from those brand deals. Mm. Um, I've thought about doing things like a Patreon or, um, like I said, I do have subscribers here for this, but we, we offer, you know, we answer questions or we do a full podcast based on what, they, what they'll ask. Uh, but I don't think, I, I just don't, one, I don't need, need it with my live shows and everything. I'm, I'm able to cover all the costs and, and pay off my mortgage. <laughs> but, Good on you. Um, That's how we I, make most of our money for the podcast. Yeah. Patreon. Mm. Um, and you guys have a huge amount of, I've seen Jordan has a very large Patreon. And you guys his, do for too. his main channel, he does. Yeah. Uh, for the podcast, dude, we we're doing well as well. Like, yeah. Not nearly to the level that Jordan's main channel does, but it's enough for me to be lazy about sponsorships. For instance, mm. like, mm. um, uh, I probably we probably could get a sponsor, but uh, and I think a couple of them approached as well. But I'm, I should probably do it because I still think like, oh, then then they're gonna regulate the content, and I was. No, that's exactly because especially with the things Jordan and I talk about, as soon as you get a sponsor, even if they say we're independent, you know, say whatever you want, it's never actually that. Because if mm -hmm. there's controversy associated with the podcast, and I know your pod podcast, you guys do this podcast, is constantly getting clipped out and put onto yeah. Twitter, which I kind of like. Clip, find something in here, clip it out. <laughs> Retard faggot. It I gives don't know. you more content. <laughs> um, and then a brand would want to disassociate from that. Sex Sales, the other podcast I do, I would slot that out to sponsors in a second. Mm. Uh, but You could probably get like a few brands on it. Yeah, we've been in talks. We, I just haven't liked the deal that they've offered. They're just, I'm playing hardball. Yeah. Although it hasn't worked. I'll be like, no, I'm only doing it for this. And then they stop emailing me and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Dude, a lot of the people Play that approach hardball. us for the podcast or approach me because like, no one else wants to be involved in any of this sort is like um men's grooming stuff <laughs> like underwears and ball shaving yeah is it manscaped yeah. they sponsor every i felt <laughs> i that? felt great when they gave us like a trial for sex sales and then i realized they literally as i don't know how they're getting all this money but there's their strategy is just to sponsor basically every podcast Everything, in the yeah. world i know people who have a hundred listeners and they've got a Manscaped sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Now, people actually buying the product. Look, they are actually, I'm not even, I'm not even beholden to them anymore, but it was, they were great razors. You reckon? They're very comfortable on the balls. Yeah. Because I, part of the reason why I didn't do it, because I read some reviews and I was like, I don't want to sell shit that's not good. But you're saying it's actually, it's good? Well, they did the job. But mm -hmm. I don't know. They don't, I don't know. They didn't feel particularly luxurious. Nothing's ever going to feel luxurious down there, but... Did you know what's funny? I remember. I don't know what to compare it to. Because we talk a lot of shit on our podcast, like um, stuff that can get you cancelled and things. Mm. Um, I thought that you know what would be a good brand, Monster Energy. They they wouldn't give a shit about anything. So I emailed them. The only kind of brand I've ever emailed. I was like, hey, uh, blah blah. We've got these this kind of like viewership. Uh, would you be into it? 
And they responded by saying, sorry, in Australia, we exclusively sponsor skateboarders and, uh, <laughs> and like uh, mountain bikers, oh which God. was very funny. And I was like, that's probably a very good response. <laughs> mountain bikers and skaters, of course. <laughs> well, that's, good. that's an outdated model because in 10 years already, kids are hardly skating and mountain biking anymore. The cool kids are making memes. Right, really? Are they? I don't know. I'm assuming. They're probably not. Uh, there's the, probably still the, suppose there's the virgins that are making memes. But <laughs> never understood the appeal. Like Skaters get so much pussy. And I just do, I don't get it. But there's something know, about it. It's the, just, it's, he's, oh, he's a free spirit. Right. That's not that dangerous. Well, he doesn't ollie and he Have scrapes ever... his knee. I mean, <laughs> right, come on. It's not that dangerous. When you were a kid, when you were like in a... Making um... YouTube videos is more that you can get arrested am i allowed to comment arrested by the fixated yeah. investigations well, persons you that's something else yes. but when you were like uh in i don't know year nine or year 10 or something what did you think was really cool rappers yeah hip-hop and and rap well like west side rappers ah uh, this would have been mid 2000 mid late 2000 so oh god this how sad even back then I was thinking to myself, these new rappers suck. I prefer the old shit. <laughs> and for me, but the old shit was just 2004, which was yeah. Eminem, 50 Cent and Chingy. And then, and then Lil Wayne and Drake came about and I was like, these guys are suck. These guys are gay. Because, <laughs> you know, that was the only insult you had back then. So I definitely thought rappers were really cool. I was starting to think YouTubers were cool though by year um, 11 and 12 because I remember Superwog got really big when I was in the latter stages of high school. Uh, yeah, I can credit them for half my career, honestly. They're a big reason I went into YouTube. Um, I used to think comedians were cool as well. I loved Russell Peters, like every brown guy, and um, yeah. Chris Rock. Um, but rappers were... I did a little bit of rapping myself, but it was sort of comedic because I was... <laughs> hey, I've seen some of your cog dog stuff. Yeah, I do yeah, all of that. Right. I still you do. Rap, I yeah. still do. But then there were a few serious raps that I did when I was a teenager and thank God I never released them. My God. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, mainly rappers. I'm trying to think if I had an actual... If but did you have like... like what I was hero. trying to get at, it was did you have like a performance gene from the beginning? Did you always know you wanted to be on stage? From very young, yeah. From when I was about 10. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's rare, especially for men. Is yeah. it rare though? Because cause Jordan's the same. Yeah, but it's not often that dudes in high school. Well, there's by high school maybe, but I was in year five or six. Wow, that's super. So young. that's rare, I would say. And you wanted to be a comedian, or did you want to be like? A, no, I wanted to be of... an actor first, and then I realized I had a knack for comedic character acting, which is generally very comedic. So I just gravitated towards things like improv and then stand-up comedy and i was good at stand-up i'd never done it before and this was when i was a teenager i won a national competition holy shit and that was when i said to myself wow I, maybe i can actually pursue this full time yeah were you funny in school on stage i was with my characters but in a social setting no i'm the same to the, i'm not you know i'm not look at anyone who listens to this i'm not a funny guy but well, I mean, I got some, yeah, I would say some quips here and there, but no, my, uh, I rely on joke writing and characters. That's where I get, that's where I create the magic. 
<laughs> a lot of comedians are like that. I remember Jerry Seinfeld was once talking about it, how he had to sit down his parents and tell them that he was funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, Mom and That's... dad, I need to tell you this. I am funny. No, a good comedian is usually not funny in a social situation because the good comedian is the observer. They're observing social situations and finding the foibles within society and the flaws certain people may have. Whereas someone who's an adept conversationalist is very, they're not overthinking. They're just natural in the flow yeah. of the conversation. And that's not the mentality to be a good comedian. I think the good men, the mentality is, is observing and, and, and thinking. And if you're in your own head while you're speaking in a social setting, you're probably not going to be very charismatic in the life of the party yeah and your your comedy is really observational as well yeah you do a lot of observations i remember like the first time i found your stuff was oh was it the three minutes or something summed up where you did sydney like, in three was yeah. it sydney in three minutes yeah i think it yeah. may have been or australian two minutes i was going eight years back now. that one Australian two minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that was pretty cool. Uh, as in, like, I thought that this this guy knows. He 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 does observational comedy, and um, yeah. And shortly was. after, I think I met you very briefly once at Jordan's house when Tom was there. We like did, we seconds. did, didn't we? Like yeah, yeah. That, that was that was that was a long time ago. Now, yeah. mm, I do remember that. I remember that was a flex. I came back home and I told my brother, I was like, "Yo, do you know who I met today?" He's like, "Really, Neil?" It's like. Well, it's so weird. <laughs> Still, when people say that, well, cool. No, no, you, you've it. been you've been doing it for long, and and you know what you, you know, what I'm you also have is I have met a lot of brown guys that were, I mean, it's uh, inspired by you. That really means a lot. I it's so weird to me, but also incredible when particularly brown men come up to me after a show and say, you're so inspiring for, for brown men. It's so good to see one who's not a doctor, which <laughs> is a funny comment when you think about it because it, that's a good stereotype to have. Hey, brown men are all doctors. I know, I know there are negative connotations yeah. that come with that, but there are far worse stereotypes out there. What does it take to be a doctor? Extremely conscientious, extremely intelligent. You're literally saving people's lives. Yeah, and all that stuff is The perception great. is that, oh, that's a bad thing, but... I think people should own that stereotype. That's a fantastic stereotype. It's definitely better than the 7-Eleven stereotype. Yeah. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that um, because it's people who are just clearly trying to make money and, and work really hard and, 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 and you know, um, probably then go back home with said money or whatever it may be. But, yeah, it's just a, but you know what it is? That, Brown the, people have fallen into certain professions. The problem with the doctor stereotype is like, yeah, it's it's you're 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 an incredibly smart person. All that's true, but not every brown kid is that smart, so they don't have role models. So there's the pressure to be the yeah. doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have so many people, dude. Half of my family is doctors, so I come from like that Same. kind of family. <laughs> it's, it's, and and but the problem is, not every kid can be a doctor. So if that's the only thing that you can aspire to be, mm. that's a problem. It's <laughs> a good point. That's fair. Uh, well, for for my family, it was always doctor or engineer. Yeah. Which is a typical brown. That's every brown family. Yes, yeah, so it is every yeah. brown family. And lawyer wasn't even part of that. Yeah. Although my parents were never like... My parents actually rebelled against that. And they were always 
very liberal with whatever I did. To, uh, to a degree, actually, no, they weren't inner west hippie parents by any means. Yeah. Um, they were still quite strict when it came to parties and drinking and um, really instilled a good work ethic, uh, particularly when it came to studying and academia. But they never put pressure on me to do medicine or to, to be an engineer. They they definitely um, recommended I went to uni, and I did for a while, but then I dropped out. Uh, but no, I, I don't have that same experience. I've done jokes about that, but that is because as soon as I see my extended family in India, the first, it's the most token thing I've ever heard. But so is he going to be engineer or doctor? Mm. That is the first thing. I've never met this uncle before. And that's the first thing that ever came out of his mouth. And I remember my dad, he's clearly got a monkey on his back. He's like, well, you know, in Australia, not everyone has to be a doctor or an engineer. I, like, I think I just said engineer back then. Look at me, I'm even doing the fucking yeah. head wobble. But I said engineer just to, just to like, you know, mollify his concerns because he just kept going on, kept asking me about whether I'm going to be a doctor or an engineer. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because so much of brown comedy and just the brown consciousness in in any Western country is is that all the meme pages are just the same jokes about super strict parents. Why can't you be more like Sanjay? He's a doctor. Why can't you do this? It's so tiring, but it is just so true. Yeah, that is what it is. And there's also something to be said about it. it's a generally. In America and Australia, now in Australia that's changing, but but up until recently it was it was often middle or upper middle class people from the subcontinent that were emigrating. Mm. Similarly in America, whereas in the UK a lot of working class Bengalis, Pakistanis, and Indians migrated there, and so the the, the general culture of the diaspora there is different. You know what's um. So you, because you're not a doctor or an engineer, yeah, there's a lot of uh, brown guys that aren't, you know, the, that didn't get like um, freaking 99 in their HSC that really look forward to you because it's an avenue for them. They might not be comedians, but they can see, oh, that guy seems a bit like me and he's successful. Mm. And uh, I suppose they can pitch to their parents that, you know, I could be something like that. I never thought of it that way. That's true. <laughs> I'm not of trying course, to like not everyone. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. Um, I do not have that sort of a temperament because you have to be extremely conscientious to be a doctor Did in, you have in to very be? high risk situations. I credit to them. I don't want to do that. I there are also doctors, quite a few doctors in my family, but not something I want to do. Maybe a GP I could do. I wouldn't want to be doing any very serious yeah, surgery. Yeah, you don't want to be a cardiologist. Do you? No, the, the the stakes would just be way too high. Yeah, and it really has a toll on you. Like, you start aging really quickly. Uh, you look 50 when you're 30. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's a good life. A lot of those uh, certain professions, you're studying for sometimes seven, eight years. Then you start off in a junior role. You're not really making much money. You're doing all the boring work. It's not until your early 30s sometimes that your career genuinely kicks off. Mm. And I just can't... St- I Just the thought of that. I don't want to do that. Much. Yeah, I remember I had a cousin who was really good at studies when he was a kid. And mm. everyone, everyone was like, oh, you should be a doctor, you know. And he ended up... His dad hooked him up with like this internship with like one of the best cardiologists. And sh- he lives in Chicago. Mm. 
and uh, he went and he sort of spent like, I don't know, three months or something with this guy. After three months, the cardiologist told his dad, my uncle, that your kid's a really good kid. Like, he really needs to be looking into this after pre-med, get him into like med school. I'll give him a reference and everything. And my cousin was like, I'm not doing this at all. I don't like I figured out from this three months that I don't want to be a cardiologist or I don't want to be a doctor in general because like you, the, mm. the guy's life sucked. He spent most of his time at the hospital. He had very little time to spend with his family or take care of his health. He though he looked like 50 when he was 40 or something. Mm. And uh, I was like, yeah, I might have the grades or the aptitude for it, but I'm definitely not doing that. It's a noble profession. A very it's noble a, it's profession. It's a tough profession you to be Definitely need it, well. but like I said, the stakes are just way too high. It doesn't sound like there's a good work-life balance. My auntie is a uh, she's a GP, and she seems to have a great life. She's now actually working at a uni doing some. I don't think she does research, but she helps the students. I'm not sure exactly what she does, but. GP life has, look, the advantages are your hours are pretty relaxed. Mm. You make more money than the average person, like a lot more money than the average person. However, if you're like an ambitious person that wants to like do stuff, it's really restrictive. Like it's just all you do is like you go to your office, you sit there, you have the, you've got a cold, here's some antibiotics, or you do that. Mm, would get pretty repetitive, wouldn't it? If you're ambitious, then you want to actually work at a hospital. And that means that your life is going to be shit. It's a toss-up. There you go. Oh, that's like whether any job, isn't it? <laughs> you got to choose. I suppose. Bad life, good job. Ambitious job. I don't know. Lawyers have a, a a pretty rough life. Yeah, lawyers. They, they work themselves to death and they do a lot of cocaine. That <laughs> you have to. Mm. Particularly if you want to do like, uh, if you want to be, if you want to work at one of the top law firms, you just have to give up your social life. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, or like the only way you can have a social life is do cocaine and just like stay awake the whole time. Yeah, they don't sleep. It's... And even junior lawyer, you can, it, it, similarly, you're often a junior lawyer up until, you, unless you have connections of some sort, you're usually not making those big bucks that the whole law profession is, you know, so many people gravitate towards it, I assume, for the money. That sometimes could happen in your 40s if you've started your own law yeah. firm. It really starts but, happening if you become a partner. Yeah. <laughs> and... You know, if you if you graduate from law and you go work at like a law firm, like mm. a good law firm, you're probably going to get your initial pay is going to be like $45,000 a year. Really? Yeah. And you're probably doing mountains of work. So much work. But actually, that's their process. The, what they do is like for two to three years, they they want you to quit. They So they're testing you. They're testing you. And if you survive that and if you're good, then you then you're pay becomes much higher right. like your progression is rapid but most people don't do it like i know so many law graduates that um within a year or something they quit if that too they end up going into consultancy or they'll start doing like some in-house legal stuff which is much less pay 
mm. compared to like what you would if you were like a high up law firm person. But uh, but yeah, you you have a life, and they're trying to do that. They're trying to weed out the people that aren't that aren't strong enough from their perspective. Uh, and God. then if you survive it, <laughs> then then yeah, then you're in the big leagues. But you then you're also like a workaholic. Yeah, well, there's no shortage of those out there. What do? Because you studied law, didn't you? Man, I what do you? I still haven't finished my law degree. Right oh, okay. I start. I I did an undergrad in international relations. Okay. And pol- public policy, and then about three years or four years later, not even because my parents wanted me to. It was just like I didn't know what to do, <laughs> so I was okay. like, I may as well start doing like post grad law. Uh, so I started doing that and about more than halfway through, I realized I probably don't want to be a lawyer, mm. but now I'm at that stage where like, it would be stupid of me not to complete it because like sure. I'm done with most of it. Mm. So I'm just, I, I don't know. I'll fit. It's just dead at this point, really. Mm. It's nothing because I guess the only sort of advantages in my head is like look if everything goes to shit for some reason i don't know then i'll have a fallback mm. so what do you because you're doing the podcast with jordan what yeah is so your other work I, right now funny you mentioned merch before i do jordan's merch oh okay so i i've actually it started off during that clive palmer remember when that clive palmer yeah, video came did, out yeah, yeah. the guy that was doing jordan's merch or uh, i'm you know the, the the company that does it did it uh they were risk averse and didn't want to do that okay and so jordan was like oh shit they don't want to do it and i was like oh, i can probably look up something and i looked up like a wholesaler or something and i started doing that and that did really well mm. so obviously i made some money from that and i was like okay this is not a lot of effort and it makes money this is my fallback actually okay so then i started doing merch stuff and now i'm doing uh uh i've like made a company and everything and i'm uh getting like other awesome uh, uh newspapers or something that didn't know a lot about the whole merch stuff and i'm um getting them on board too and uh man it's like it's something that i don't hate doing and it makes me um uh, an additional revenue stream so i don't have to like go and work an office job which i was doing until last year mm. i was working for um dan murphy's like the, the Woolworths. yeah okay uh their logistics of just some bullshit office job okay. and uh and that was not as entertaining and jordan kept telling me quit that work with me and I was like, I already am. At that point, the podcast wasn't even monetized. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to do what? He's like, uh, we'll figure something out. Just quit. And so last year I did. And as soon as I did, then I started like looking into different. Uh, we, I worked out a way how we can make money from the podcast. I started like properly putting time into the merch stuff. And uh, essentially at this point, like I was talking to Jordan about this, like we could potentially just start a clothing brand now. <laughs> a lot of online creators do that. Yeah. Basically do that. Yeah. I mean, some, if we look at the makeup girls, they have their own products in David Jones. It's, it's, they really are a brand. I hate saying that, but yeah. that's what, 
That's how you sometimes, you need that corporate perspective because a lot of people like to think I'm an artist and I'm a purist and I don't want to ever do that. But no, you, you, you need someone there that is saying, okay, look, this is how we can monetize you. This is how we can create additional revenue streams to what you do. And you need both of those mentalities to come together. You need the artist and you need the... Well, the, I'm that guy for him now. And I just man. stumbled myself <laughs> into it to the point where, like, I kept, like, sort of... I realized how much, like, potential money there is in this. And I and because Jordan, obviously, he's 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 busy with most of his stuff. And I was like, hey, we should look into this. And I've started to get him into a few extra... And... Look, it's it's a great source of revenue. Like mm. if you if you're able to do it, yes, it takes some time, but then you don't have to worry about other shit in life. You know, you don't have to worry about like, oh, I need this kind of job or I need to do this and you have and plus like working with Jordan for me is really easy because he's mm. he's also my best friend. So it's like I like I I think I told you this before we started recording. We've weirdly never had a disagreement. Mm. Ever. So for that's me, lucky. that's great. Yeah, for me it works fine. He he's usually on board with stuff that I want to do, and and I'm on board with stuff that he wants mm. to do. And his starring role in Muslim versus Christian dads. Yeah, that too. Bring that back. And that make was it a inspired series. by you, funnily. Me? What did I do? No, you and uh, and Superwalk. Yeah, that was a very Superwalk esque. It was a Superwalk esque. Both of you. I remember mm. we were that in... format works though. Anything yeah. versus anything. I don't know if now it would work on TikTok, but yeah, I did a lot of that. I did Asians versus white girls. I did um, Aussies versus ethnics. I did, you know, Indians versus anything like that. It just works. And the ethnic is always the funny one. Or I did did, uh, middle class versus working class. I did a few of those actually last year. They went really well. Yeah. And the working class is always the funny one. Well, you're actually better at it than we are, but... I remember when we were in Lithgow. You've been to Lithgow as well. Yeah, yeah Jordan I used to there, live yeah, there. Yeah. And I was there in Lithgow. I was just chilling with him. And Jordan was complaining about, dude, why the fuck does Superwog have so many more followers than me? Um, anyways, he was going to one of his rants <laughs> like that, right? He was like, dude, the problem is people don't understand. People don't get politics. Like you have to do something stupid. Some shit like that, right? And I was like, hey, dude, why don't we do that? And he was like, what are we going to do? I was like, I'm Muslim. Why don't we make stuff about Muslim? You can't get into trouble for it because I'd be there. Yeah. And yeah. he was like, um, okay, do you want to write it? I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And so he wrote that script and we uh, we made it, whatever. And it didn't get a million views. Like we, nope. <laughs> like we wanted to. It's not, easy, it's not as easy as people think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it looks, really it not. Looks, it's, <laughs> well, like any professional, the, the best uh, always make it look effortless. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It, it, it in fact initially performed quite underwhelmingly. But man, you look at that video now, and it's got a good amount, like three hundred thousand or something. So I think it was a success overall. Over time, if you keep uh, making big videos, your old videos will always keep going up in views. It's the beauty of YouTube. How about we wrap up this podcast? I want to get your. What do you think about woke brown people? Because you're someone who's actually grown up in Pakistan, and I think there's a marked difference between people who've actually grown up in a subcontinental country and then moved to, whether it's Australia, America, Canada, whatever. 
I think there's a very different mentality that comes from that because when you grow up in Australia, you are, you're not necessarily othered, but you do feel like you're a bit different. And I'm, not, I'm sounding very woke here, but there is a certain truth to that. Whereas I found that like, you know, my dad actually grew up in India. My mom grew up here. And then there's a, there's, there's a difference there. Do you, you know what tell. it is? I always, uh, I love this. And as, as I'm not trying to be like harsh or offensive, I'm a lot less insecure than no, it's, a lot of people. I was about to that, say that. Because, I was about to I, say that. I get it. Because look, when, you, when you're growing up, right, you have, you have to like reconcile with these multiple identities. Mm. Like there's an identity that you see in, in, in like media with your friends and then you've got this thing at home. And so you're conflicted. Who the fuck am I? Mm. Is like, and, and you're trying to like your entire childhood is like, who am I? Like, what do I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like you go visit India and you're like, I'm definitely not these guys. Yeah. And then you're over here, but like, yeah, but I'm not completely these guys either. There's something different about me. I don't have that shit because I grew up in Pakistan and I knew exactly what I was then. Mm. And when I came here, I already had a foundation of my identity formed. Mm. So I came here and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not you guys, but I'm okay with that. No, you, what you said is not, it's, 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 perfectly apt it's it's the ones who grew up here have an insecurity about being brown yeah and that manifests itself in being very either very protective when it comes to racial jokes or any sort of commentary about race uh or they just discard that part of them entirely yeah which is either is unhealthy to be honest like I agree. you know that question of where are you from my mm. answer is pakistan very easy. Yeah. Now, if I get asked where I'm from, I am. I grew up here. I'm, I was born here. I'm Australian. Yeah. My heritage, if someone's like, what's your heritage? I say Indian. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you might take it very, like, it might not be a big issue for you. But for some Indians grow, that grew up here, were born here, that could be a difficult question to answer. Like, like what do you mean where I'm from? I grew up here. Like, I, have, mm. I haven't been. But like, no, no, where you're really from. I don't have to deal with that stuff because I'm not conflicted in my own head. Mm. So that's, uh, that's, I think, the biggest difference that you experience as a brown person in, when you've grew, grown up in a brown country. There really is an identity crisis, isn't there? Yeah. Because you're not sure which, which one to attach yourself more to. And I think you you should be able to attach yourself more, especially if you you were born and brought up in Australia and if you don't speak Hindi and if you're not a Hindu or whatever it may be, even that, you know, there's millions and millions who are not Hindu or whatever it may be. If 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 you're Australian, you're Australian. <laughs> and the, those questions of no, where are you really from? One, they don't seem to happen as much anymore and that may be a result of all the incessant political correctness that we've had to endure there there may be some good that's come out of that but i can't i i i almost remember as a kid you're almost incentivized to to really hold on to being in yeah i am indian yeah let me tell you about diwali and and hinduism well i didn't know what the fuck i was talking about but that was because you wanted to be different. You wanted to be cool. And, and there was that whole diversity, multicultural thing where, oh, that's so, you're so special. You're so unique. That's so interesting. Yeah. And then I started to realize, no, hang on, I'm not. 
I don't even speak Hindi. I don't, I'm an Aussie. Mm. I'm very whitewashed. <laughs> My dad actually rebelled against Indian culture, like I said, and he has nothing but, uh, no, he's still, but he, he, he loves the West. Yeah. That's immigrant parents actually come here because they love the ideals of the West, whereas the ones that grow up here have this weird conflicted mentality. I mean, I was watching these videos where someone was actually making fun of people who was who say they're uh, Australian when they're racially Indian, but then there are people who make fun of the. It's like you can never appease that woke brown crowd. If you make fun of brown people, it's this thing called oh, you're seeking white validation. Mm. You're just trying to appease the white people by making fun of your own race. Whereas if you don't talk about race at all, oh, why aren't you talking about race? Yeah. Are you just pretending to be something you're not? The only jokes you're allowed to make, it's this slither of, of jokes where they have to be from the brown perspective, but they, they always have to punch down towards white people. And I have some of those jokes, but I also have some where I'm making fun of brown people. Yeah. And I found that that uh, people like yourself who have, who have migrated here later in life are much more comfortable laughing at those jokes because... They don't feel insecure about it. They're like, yeah, that's, that's just true. Yeah. But you know what? Look, that's all that's true. But this is one piece of advice that I would give to kids growing up, like Australian brown kids. Mm. You could be a much well-rounded person if you own both of those identities. Like, you know a lot more than the average Joe just because of like this genetic, I would say, you know, it's like being bilingual. Mm. It makes you smarter. That's You've true. got multiple perspectives. You can analyze any given problem from a from two separate angles. That's a good thing. And it's the whole concept of like, who am I? Doesn't matter. And 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 I know there's a very human side to being connected to your racial identity, but I think as you get older I'm more mature and hopefully read more and develop your thoughts and your character and your values, you start to realize that your racial identity or even your ethnic identity or whatever nationality you may be is a part of you. And it's not something to ever disown or to be ashamed of. But it's not a major part of who you are. Yeah. That is something I just happened to be born to parents who were of Indian heritage in the country of Australia. Yeah. Cool. What else is there about me that makes me interesting? What thoughts do I have? What have I achieved in my life? I think people who latch on to these immutable characteristics as a major part of their identity. And I think, yes, it's different for, for children, but if, you, if people are our age and, and, and still hold being brown or being Australian or whatever it may be as a major part of who they are, I really think they just haven't fully thought about and developed their identity. Yeah, they're fully not convincing you. They're convincing themselves. Yeah. When they're saying all of that stuff, they're really... Because they're conflicted themselves. You know, when like... I remember when I... Um, when I just started to become... Uh, when I just started to become an atheist. Mm. And uh, coming from like... You know, a kid that just assumed that God existed to like point where like, hey, hold on a minute. I don't know if all these ideas are right. I became like... um. I don't know, like Christopher Hitchens and Dawkins and, and Harris, and I would try to convert everyone to atheism. Yes. And I was like, it's so stupid. Look at the science. Every conversation was just that. Mm. 
and it wasn't that like I wanted everyone to be atheist. It was like I was trying to prove myself mm. that yo, um, God doesn't exist, and these are the reasons. Once, like, I started getting a bit older, and I was like, yeah, yeah I now understand my uh, atheism or whatever. I stopped saying it. I kind of don't care. Like, you may believe whatever you believe in, but I'm not talking about it because it doesn't like it. I've already decided. Like, I know in my head, I'm mm. I'm secure. So I think that's like the whole bulk culture of like be brown, be whoever you want to be, man. Like, mm. if you want to be brown, be brown. If you don't want to be brown, like whatever. No one cares really. Like, you care more than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. And 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 a comedian making. A brown joke is not symptomatic of them hating themselves. No, it's just That's observation. Such a ridiculous idea. It's promulgated throughout that woke ideology. It's 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 insidious, really. It's like you know the point that you made before, which is like a the I think Russell Peters uh, also made that point of like Apu being cancelled. Dude, like, okay, so Apu was not the um you know the the alpha of that show mm. but he was just a regular guy that represents like a lot of indian people that actually live it's the same thing like not every guy not every indian person or paki person has to be the fucking doctor like some of them aren't mm. and just freaking own it at least that way by apu being on the simpsons a lot of people knew what indians were Mm. There was a, there would have been a possibility where none of them would have even known what Indians are. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. I think it was wrong to to pressure the Simpsons to cancel him. I will say, if you did grow up in any Western country, you just constantly were leveled with, oh, thank you, come again," you know. And I think people were reacting to that. Yeah, now, but I that's since the realize, only thing I mean, that's just you. yeah. Look, look, you got to deal with that. That's life. Yeah. I don't think you sort of have to try and control the world to ensure that you don't get mocked. Um, when mm, I mean, like, I, yeah, because there there are there is a truth to the whole power dynamics in comedy, which is that you can paint certain cultures or races in a, I suppose, a, a powerful light or a derogatory light. Having said that, that's also very subjective, and part of a sort of part of being secure with who you are is being able to make fun of who you are exactly that's that's a secure person they yeah. can laugh at themselves and then also when you go out in society and you do whatever you do you make it better every time by mm. who you are if you're secure like you do comedy right um a few generations ago it, there weren't a lot of uh, ethnically Indian comics, mm. but now there are. So there's a lot of people in Australia that now understand, oh, okay, so it's not just Apu. There's Neil Kohatkar as well, who's mm. doing this sort of stuff. So, man, like the idea of this multicultural society is so freaking recent that we get, we don't realize that how quickly society is transforming. Mm. Like you go back particularly for Australia, like you don't even have to go the back that far. It was very homogenous. Mm. So like you've got to give it time. And yeah, we're one of those generations that are at the, you know, at that cusp of like that had to face some issues of stereotyping or whatever. But within our lifetime has changed so much. Definitely. And, and I think that's just a very human issue 
you can never get rid of stereotyping. We're tribal creatures. Mm. I and mean, we'll always categorize people who are, especially if they're in the out group. So now that's almost happening politically. Mm. If someone says they're on the left, oh, I know all these things about you because you're on the left. That means you're, you know, you don't work hard and you want the government to control everything and you've been indoctrinated and you just want to control people. Oh, you're on the right, therefore you're a racist and you're uneducated. I mean, look, stereotypes don't fall out of the sky. There's always some truth to every stereotype, but that says more about the person leveling those stereotypes than then it does anything else. Yeah, and they'll change. You know, stereotypes change as societies evolve. Mm. Uh, just don't take it too personally and try to be that voice that changes that stereotype. I like that. That's good. <laughs> perfect perfect note to end on. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed our two-part series with uh, special guest, Ali. Thank uh, you for having me, Neil. This was a pleasure. Yeah, that was really that was really fun. And if you don't know... Uh, Jordan does another podcast, the Friendly Geordies podcast, or the Friendly, yeah, Friendly Jimmy's podcast. podcast. So <laughs> go and subscribe podcast. to that. Uh, otherwise, uh, share this one and go to neilkahaka.com slash podcast. We'll get back to answering some of your questions when, when Jordan's back. Thank you for listening. See you next time.